everyone, uh, welcome. Terribly sorry about uh, starting so late. Uh, so let's just uh, get right to it. <laughs> so tonight uh, is the uh, installation on ending war, and uh, tonight's title is supposed to be "What Works." Okay. Uh, when we're talking about impl uh, avoiding implementing what doesn't work, uh, we didn't spend too much time really talking about what doesn't work. I mentioned one thing. I mentioned something about uh, non-action can be a cause for war. And I think we understand that. Uh, one of the vows of a bodhisattva is when you see evil and you don't do anything, that bodhisattva is in breach of their, their vow. So the bodhisattva is actually committing an, an, an ethical action by not acting when they see there's a need for action. Okay. So that's, it was along that line that I was mentioning that when you see clearly that there is evil somewhere, when you see clearly that there is a need for, for an action to be taken for some, where th th there needs to be a suppression of something. And if you do not do anything, that is of course not even an attempt to do something. Perhaps you don't know what to do, but you have to have at least have the intention to do something. And that intention because of its purity, because of its clarity, that will lead you to the resources where you can find someone who can help, or perhaps you can gain the insight as to what to do. But that insight will not come unless you have an actual intention to do something about it. Okay. So that was the main thing that I, I mentioned last time when it came to uh, avoiding what doesn't work. Okay. So not doing anything doesn't work. Okay. What are the things that we should do? What are the things that one must do in order to avoid war, in order to end war? I think we had a question, I left the question with you. Uh, were you able to think about it a little bit? Yeah. Um, I think that the one that you had asked me to uh, think about was somewhat related. If someone were to get to the point where they weren't seeing war or something like that, mm -hmm. So I was thinking about it, and the only thing I could come up with, because it seemed like I were often, or I felt like we're taught this idea that like you get to a point where you're just not projecting any war or like from your mind, and you're supposed to get to this point where you know if it's coming from your heart, then you're going to be a Buddha, then there just is no more war existing. Mm -hmm. And like the way that I feel like I've been taught it like that, the only way I could kind of visualize that is that like little by little. As your practice gets better, you mm. kind of see less hatred and violence in the world, and mm -hmm. then that would lead you to believe that it's working more, and get mm -hmm. to a point where there just isn't any war outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, now, how? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, did anyone else think about that? What is the question again? What was the question again? Yeah, the key. Well, last time about um, 
what it would be like to have if war and everything that's, that you perceive as being external to you were just kind of projections from your own mind, then they're infinitely changeable, and why wouldn't then war would be another thing that's coming from your own mind. So how would you be able to get rid of it in a way of just not kind of again? Well, uh, before I, I uh, had you go home with that, <laughs> I had left you with uh, uh, a, a uh, there was a question. It was a series of questions. One of the questions I would ask is, when you become enlightened, when one becomes enlightened, when you become enlightened, and think when one becomes become those who have enlightened being enlightened already, do you no longer see war? So you see war over there, and, and it it, uh, and it brings compassion from you, it brings love from you, and you say, I have to do something to end that. And then you go to the cave, or <laughs> you, 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 go, uh, you go to the cave to practice, and you become enlightened, and now you go out so you can put an end to it. And the question is, you're not, you don't see war anymore? Is that how it works? Is this what... And my question would be, is this why I still see war? Is this why war? Because by the time they become a Buddha, and they say, okay, now I have the, uh, now I have the tool to end the war, and they go out to find the war, and they can find it. So the question is, do Buddhas see wars? Does that depend on which, what, what particular mind we're talking about? Because a Buddha has different bodies that it's able. We talk when we speak of a Buddha, right? We speak of it in different, in terms of its uh, the Dharmakaya, for example. The dharma, does the Dharmakaya see war? The answer would be no. I mean, the Dharmakaya couldn't possibly see war because for the dharm, everything that the Dharmakaya spontaneously un, unformed and blissful. It, it has no capacity to be to be uh, defined as war, experienced as war for Dharmakaya, mm-hmm. for, uh, for the uh, Sambhogakaya. Um, whatever is perceived is maybe perceived as something that has an appearance, but it would still be blissful. So would that be war? Probably not. For the, however, specifically for one purpose, which is to alleviate suffering, and in order to do that, a Buddha must must project a, a type of body which others can see and others can relate to, and that's called the Nirmanakaya. And if we look at the historical Buddha, he certainly did see wars because he talked about them, and he, he knew that people were involved in conflict. And if that particular Buddha, which is the only Buddha we know, saw war, talked about war, involved in war, and had teachings for kings who were involved in war, then we must conclude that the, the, the Nirmanakaya of the Buddha, at least, is does does know that beings engage in war, sees them, and and does what he can to help beings alleviate suffering. So ultimately, will be no more war. Hmm. So the Buddhas have multiple personalities. So they serve they serve they serve different beings. Yeah. <laughs> can we say that their ultimate uh, understanding could be could be called Dharmakaya, hmm. and then they uh, they they relate to other beings that are high beings in a hmm. way that is called Sambhogakaya, mm. and then they teach us, because mm. we're too stupid to see them in those two forms, <laughs> and Nirmanakaya. <laughs> That's what I've been taught. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to say. 
I think the Buddha doesn't have the seeds to see violence, but mm. because he's omniscient, he can walk into the reality of any kind of being. Oh, that's very interesting. So what does that mean anyway? <laughs> <laughs> it means that I don't think the Buddha has the seeds to see violence. Okay, he doesn't have the seeds, yeah. but he sees violence. No, he's, he's, he got a teaching where he can, it's like he can travel in space or time. Uh-huh. He can travel in the reality of all kind of beings. But if he doesn't have the seed to see uh, violence, if he walks into your reality, he, he doesn't have the seed to see violence, he will not see violence. He could see what other people see, but he would not see himself caught in that. Kind of himself caught up he, he, wouldn't, he would know that this is a deceptive reality, and he would not be uh, a prisoner from it. Okay. So in his own reality, there is no deception? <laughs> no, he knows, he knows his paradise is a deceptive reality. So what's the difference between his paradise, which is a deceptive reality, and your reality, which is a deceptive reality? The difference is the Buddha is in his paradise, <laughs> and because he's omniscient, he can see the deceptive reality of all kinds of beings. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is something that... Uh, let's get to skillful. Skillful, skillful activity. Okay? Skillful means. And this is a very important uh, concept to... to uh, to understand what does it mean to be skilled, and as far as uh, really getting the result that is uh, that you aspire to get, so the means that actually help you get that result, that means those means are called are referred to as skillful means. Okay, so if you if you set out for and then the the course of action that you took that actually gave you now, not give you the, 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 the semblance of it, not give you half of it, but actually give it to you, exactly what you wanted, without anything missing. The means that actually help you get there, that's skillful means. Okay? So skillful means, the term is, referring, is, is specifically referring to sometimes what works in one place may not necessarily work in another place. And to be able to recognize what will work here and what will not work here, and then implement what will work, that is employing skillful means. Okay. As far as if war, and I tell you it's all in your mind, if, if I tell you if it's all in your mind and it makes you stop war, then telling you that it's all in your mind is a skillful means. Okay. And if I tell you it's all in your mind, and it doesn't work for you, then I cannot. Then, then, if I tell you it's all in your mind, then I'm not being skillful. So, everything that was said here, uh, the wonderful elucidation of the three bodies, <laughs> the the uh, the presentation on deceptive reality, <laughs> whichever works for you. If it makes you stop war, then that's skillful me. Okay. If neither one of them work, then you need to hear something else. Okay. Perhaps there's something else that will that will work for you. Okay. And the reason for that, that these these different means, the different presentation will have will may have different results. That is, uh, may give the act the same result. That is, it's different from that, or, or another explanation would sound maybe sound different, and yet 
depending on the person who's hearing it, the, the, different, the, the, the different personalities, the different minds who hear it, they end up stopping war, they end up uh, uh, truly getting peace. Then these different, de these different uh, presentations were skillful means. Okay. Now if we just stick to one, to one presentation of the three bodies, and for some people it actually works, and for others it just doesn't work, and to keep sticking with the three bodies, for example, to those people, then you are not being skillful. Even though the, 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 the presentation of the three bodies is very beautiful, it's, 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 it may be uh, a, a beautiful presentation of something that is real, but if it's not working, then you have to be skillful, draw what is skillful. That is, and also, being skillful is, is, is really a, a, what you might, uh, what you might attribute to what is, uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was a Dalai Lama who actually first introduced this term, but uh, he's the one I'm, I'm attributing it to. You know, uh, uh, enlightened self-interest. If you truly have enlightened self-interest, that is, you have a goal, and you really want that goal, then you shouldn't care about much about the means of acquiring the, the goal. That is, uh, what will truly work. Okay? If the way that will get you the goal is a, something that is very pleasing to you, okay, okay. <laughs> then I don't well, have to uh, try to persuade you to, 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 to pick it up. But if the means of acquiring it is not, is not something that is necessarily pleasant to you, but it will actually get you the goal, if you're more interested in avoiding the, the unpleasant path, then you're not really interested in that goal. That's, that's, my, that's my perspective. So entities, two, two uh, nations or two people, are really interested in peace. Then if having to compromise something will lead to it, then, and they actually take up that, the, uh, that compromise, then they're really interested, that shows that they're really interested in the peace. That they really see benefit in acquiring this, this objective called peace. But if the means of acquiring it, that, uh, the, uh, if, I mean, if it's the actual means of acquiring it, if they are not willing to pick it up because it might be embarrassing for them, because they might lose face or something like that, but it will actually get them the peace, then the peace is no longer their ultimate objective is something else. Okay, and that's what they want to keep, and that is the reason why. Well, uh, uh, we're supposed to talk about uh, what doesn't work, what works, but this is what doesn't work. Okay, sticking to something and and uh, forgetting your true objective. Okay. Now, uh, I'm gonna do that little homework. Okay, <laughs> I'm throwing my two cents also. <laughs> uh, What has worked so far are these very principles that we've been uh, discussing in the, okay, these are the principles which have worked. They have worked for the individual in the sense of removing uh, uh, war in their own mind, removing war uh, in, their, in their immediate environment, okay, and, and, and it is basically holding on to just one principle of concern for the welfare of the other. If you just hold on to that, 
it will guide you to exactly what will be your skillful action that you have to take. Okay. And of course, when you just hold on to that, to, to that, to, to that true, truly concern for the welfare of the other, at the same time, you don't need concern for your own welfare because that is already taken care of already. Okay. When you're seeking to uh, to to only uh, 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 bring about a benefit only to yourself, and you're focusing on only on yourself, then that will not bring you the benefit that you're actually looking for. Okay. So to a truly a true concern for the welfare <coughs> of the other will bring about what you really want. Okay. Uh, when you keep this, when we keep this the main objective, the main focus of, 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 your, ac- of your actions, about the uh, exact, what should be the, uh, the, the appropriate, uh, appropriate action in the sense of, not appropriate in the sense of, of uh, uh, more in the sense of, uh, when, we think of when we think of a particular line of action, as being the only line of action that must be uh, must be uh, uh, that, that we must take, okay, it will agree of such a grip when this line of action will not work an, at a particular situation. It will free us so that we can truly have the uh, the clarity of mind to be able to know what will work if we just focus on that, truly focus on it, and not allow that intention. To be uh, to be undermined by, by any of the afflictions in the mind that actually can actually come and disguise themselves as that noble intention. Okay, so you have the noble intention to really secure the welfare of the other of, of the other person, and then something happens in the exchange. The person didn't quite see you as a benefactor. The person actually probably saw you as somebody who was actually trying to harm them. And then they react towards what they perceive. Now you have to stop and not react to, what the, to, to make the reaction of, what, of, of their misperception your new objective. Keep your, keep your uh, objective firm there. And now you may adjust what you are trying to implement to fit the situation, but don't lose sight of your ultimate objective. If you do so, for example, if the person reacts because they think that you're harming them, and then they try to harm you, because that's what unfortunately, uh, that's what keeps uh, the world of suffering keep going. When you see someone harm you, you're okay. So they will try to harm you. Now if you react towards that harm, the way, uh, the nat- the way, uh, the natural propulsion, the natural compulsion to keep the wheel of suffering going, then you will have changed your objective. And sometimes you might even think that you, may, you are still holding on to your noble intention. Your noble intention intact. Don't lose sight of it. Okay? And be careful of being deceived by uh, afflictions, disguising themselves as noble intentions. Like, uh, yeah, uh, I think this person needs to be uh, 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 spoken harsh to. I need this person to be hard toward this person. I need to be wrathful to this person. But the, but the intention that has taken over is really just your anger. You're reacting out of anger. 
because you you saw this person doing something that incited your anger but you were not able to control your anger and now your anger disguises itself as your normal intention and then you 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 miss you you, uh, you completely missed it and now you're acting out of thing out of your normal intention that is something that you have to be very careful about and I think that's what happens a lot when two people meet and then they have they may have true noble intentions and they lose sight of their noble intention because of because of of of, of the interaction that is going on at the moment they lose, it's like they get distracted okay and that, and you can look at uh, you can take examples of what's going on right now in the United Nations you can take examples of right now going on within between you and someone else between neighbors between friends between family members is that they lose sight of their noble intention okay you see your child doing something and your intention is for their welfare of that child and because the child that does not intention the way you would like the child to respond then you drop the normal intention you pick up your anger and you react out of that anger instead and then you end up ruining your own objective and you end up distancing yourself from, from, from that person so everybody loses no one wins and, and the reason that we undertake this is because we are deceived by our afflictions our affliction that I'm gonna give you what you want when afflictions cannot give us what, what, what we want. It is impossible for your affliction to, for, to give you what you want. Okay. Um, I'm going to go a little bit to uh, th that topic. Okay. Now, uh, sometimes uh, when someone has a true heartfelt uh, uh, intention to to either promote peace or to put an end in a conflict somewhere and they are, they are sincerely searching and they come across uh, uh, ideals, they come across uh, 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 philosophies that seems to promote or that seems to uh, prov to uh, promise some sort of some sort of uh, some sort of aid get that peace in trying to get that objective and when in trying to understand that philosophy they go off the philosophy takes them into the abstract and sometimes we get lost in the abstract okay and that's something that we have to learn to avoid getting lost in the abstract you you, you remember you went there in search of something lose, don't lose sight of what you went there for okay and then it becomes when you're lost in the abstract and it, it seems like all this thing all this philosophy is, is uh, providing you is just things that are completely impractical things that cannot be employed because the war or the or the conflict is 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 imminent is right here and then this abstract place that this philosophy takes you to it's not address really addressing it. It's just put your mind in some in some in some realm that you can escape for a few for, 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 for some time. Okay. Remember, the Buddha achieved Buddhahood because of the problem. Okay. If the Buddha suddenly becomes a Buddha and then the problem of and, and, and the and the problem of suffering is still there 
then he sort of you could say he wasted his time uh, trying to achieve Buddhahood. He, he wasted his time <coughs> achieve, having achieved Buddhahood. <coughs> the only purpose of Buddhahood is to address the problem of suffering. If it cannot address the problem of suffering after it has been achieved, then what was the purpose of achieving it? Okay. And uh, what makes a Buddha is that in the the highest uh, act, action uh, 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 activity of the Buddha, the highest even if it's the highest form of magic, the highest form of magical. Um, uh, expression that the Buddha can display is to teach. Okay. It is to teach. So if the Buddha if if the, if the Buddha if the being suddenly becomes a Buddha, very state of Buddhahood make uh, makes them makes that being uh, uh, well should I be prejudiced if I say blind? Blind to suffering. So all he sees uh, a bunch of enlightened beings around him. Then, how is he going to teach? It's going to be like uh, it's going to be like almost like uh, uh, arrogant to go around to see a bunch of Buddhas and he's talking to them about this is how you get rid of your suffering. Okay. Or it will be like the Buddha has entered some sort of some sort of uh, illusion. I know suffering is out there somewhere. Okay, <laughs> but I can't see you. But I know you're out there somewhere. <laughs> out there, let me tell you how to end suffering. <laughs> okay. So there was a time when the Buddha didn't see something, and he went out to become a Buddha so he could see. And now that he sees the other thing, now he's blind to something else. Okay. So the Buddha is oh, omniscient, omniscient. To examine the state of mind of the Buddha, what the Buddha perceives is to go into speculation, because you can't really know. The only the only way for you to really know is to be a Buddha yourself. Okay. But one thing I know for sure, when you when you when you took that vow, I vowed to become a Buddha in order to help all sentient beings. It was yourself alone. Okay. It's like. There's this bliss out there. If I pretend I'm going to help all sentient beings with it, I'll get it. Okay. Then you can almost say that there's no <laughs> difference between the state of a Buddha and the state of, a, of, of, of what is called the personal liberate, someone who's achieved personal liberation. They both, achieve, uh, uh, they both can't see uh, suffering anymore. Maybe there's a question behind that. Mm -hmm. is, are we alone in the universe, or is there a different mind stream? Well, even company, even even if company is an illusion, that means there's company. <laughs> Am I really alone in the universe? How am I going to ever answer that question? Especially when I keep seeing people around me. <laughs> <laughs> So why should I deny what's, what's in front of me? Don't deny what's in front of you. What's in front of you is exactly what is pushing you towards that, that goal. It's what is what to, to go to, to that goal. Okay. If all sentient beings are an illusion, then you are an illusion also. If others are an illusion, then self is an illusion also. Then you're back to the same place.
Now, I want to give some credit, <laughs> uh, some credit of, of acceptance to the idea that uh, you reach Buddhahood, then there's no more uh, suffering. Okay. And what I would say to that is that eventually, it's like one person stands up for and it has an effect on the others who are perceiving it. There's the others on, on others who are watching it. Even if in that person's, uh, that person's lifetime, no other person picks it up. But because that, that place a seed in the mind of others who are watching, it will give them at least something else to think about. Ah, I didn't think about peace before. I didn't think about and that, that is like a, uh, it's like a, what was that? Yeah, a catalyst that will spread and people will be infected with the idea of peace. And, some, and then up to the point where some people will actually want it. Whether they, whether they, they were not even, uh, 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 okay. It will take time. Okay. And I, and I, and I, I have to, well, sounds arrogant of me to say, but I have to agree with the Dalai Lama. <laughs> 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 when he when he's when he speaks optimistically about 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 our world, and when he when he when he talks about how uh, if just a thousand, can you imagine a country a nation saying, "I'm I'm gonna I mean even thinking about I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna end my army, I'm gonna not have an army." You couldn't, even, you, uh, you couldn't even think of a nation actually thinking that. Now nations have not only thought about it, they have actually, the nations have actually, uh, have actually implemented it. So that means eventually, this idea of peace, this idea of the might of love and might of, of, of compassion <coughs> will overwhelm the world. And it will not stop at the world. It will just continue throughout the universe. And then one day, there will be no sufferings for any Buddha to perceive. For me, I just cannot accept the idea that the Buddhas don't see suffering. Because I don't want it anymore. If by the time I become a Buddha, I can't see the people I, I can't see people I, I'm supposed to trying to help, then what's the point of becoming a Buddha? They don't just become a, 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 an Arhat. No, it only takes seven. Become a Buddha, you know, three countless like eons. I mean, come on. <laughs> to get to the same place. <laughs> so, exactly when the Buddha sees suffering, how does he see it? Maybe that's the, how you should be, that's the question you should be asking. <coughs> he sees suffering, but how does he see it? How does he, what, what, what reaction comes, uh, comes out of him when he perceives suffering? Okay. But to say the Buddha doesn't see suffering at all is to defeat the purpose of, 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 of why the Buddha is a Buddha. Okay. And, and this is uh, the danger I, I mentioned about a noble intention usurped by a selfish, by a selfish uh, interest. Ah, Buddhahood. It will help others. And as you proceed, as you proceed, you're carrying on your suffering, you can't take it anymore. 
And he said, ah, I, I think if by the time I reach that one, my, I, I will have a great state. Mm -hmm. What you will get, what you will get out of it. Not no longer how you're going to help others with it, but how you, what you're going to get out of it. And unfortunately for us, once you lose, once you lose that uh, uh, focus on helping others, and, it be, and, and the, the path becomes, what, what will I get out of it? What will I get out of it? What will I get out of it? Fortunately for us, who are suffering, okay. they don't. Now, uh, I didn't quite uh, finish that part about uh, when someone was sincere on the path, They sincerely look for uh, a means. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the path to enlightenment. Not, nothing mystical like that. Just that you see you see a problem and you sincerely wish to resolve the problem. Okay. And then you you then you then you enter a path of of uh, abstraction. Uh, abstracting. And I say you get lost in that. The reason that I'm uh, uh, bringing this up is because a lot. And you could say perhaps this is why uh, peace has, uh, is, is so slow to arrive. Because those who are really seeking it they get discouraged. They get discouraged when they're lost in that abstract. Because they want something practical, something to implement. And it seems to them, when they're lost in this abstract, that there's really nothing practical to do. And that means I can't really, peace is not something that can, be, that can be achieved. We are doomed, this is our nature, for as long as the universe uh, exists, there will always be, be this. For as long as this is and well, for there are human beings on it, we'll always have problems, we'll always have war. And then we become discouraged and we let it go. Okay? Or, we continue lost in the abstract, speculating and never implementing anything that actually brings up, bring an actual result. So, uh, what to do boils down to that word that I mentioned, that term, skillful means. So, no matter what is going on outside of you, don't lose focus. No matter what brings up, no matter what comes up within you, don't lose focus. And when I say no matter what comes up within you, I mean if while you are trying to do some discouragement comes up, <coughs> use that very thought of discouragement instead of being discouraged about what, what, your, what your objective was, use it in a way, in a skillful means to actually make you continue. If you're feeling jealous, 
and if jealousy is threatening your mission, then look at what, uh, what prompted the jealousy and try to fulfill that, uh, the need of that jealousy through something that is more constructive, that is being skillful. Like for example, I'm in the United, working at the United Nations. I have this wonderful idea uh, that's going to bring some benefit to some whoever. And as I'm implementing, as I'm implementing it, uh, I bring in someone else to help me. And it seems that other person is more brilliant than I am. It seems that that other person is getting more recognition than I am. And I become jealous of that other person. Then that jealousy is puts my objective in jeopardy. I may no longer be focused on the objective any, anymore. I may be focused on trying to address just the fact I am jealous. But when I say address the fact that I'm jealous, I mean uh, trying to now uh, uh, get to the, make the jealousy, the point of the jealousy into my objective. That becomes my new objective. And I'm continuing what I'm doing, but no, now I am more a jealousy that has taken over. So when you recognize that, just stop and ask yourself this question. If the jealousy can prompt me to actually fulfill what I'm doing, then stay with it. Okay? But if the jealousy is putting me, then what is the jealousy wanting? How can I fulfill that with something more positive, where, where I will not lose my objective? Okay? Like, okay, I see that perhaps, perhaps the jealousy is letting me know that there are uh, there, there things within me that I, that I wish were more developed. Perhaps it makes me see that perhaps I wish I was more knowledgeable about this thing that this guy, this guy knows. Perhaps uh, I wish I was more uh, friendly with others the way this guy is. Okay. So how do I beat myself more friendly? And then with joy, try to, uh, try to get to be friendlier. With joy, try to get to be uh, about, about, about that thing. So, so what the jealousy is sort of pointing out to you, you're still fulfilling its, uh, its needs without the destructive element that makes you completely uh, destroy your overall objective. Okay? And, and, and uh, just addressing, just addressing the, the goal of, um, I don't know what to say, what, uh, what the jealousy brought up is all you will need to do sometimes. You don't necessarily have to get a PhD also. And you don't even have a high school diploma yet. <laughs> but with joy, try to address it. Ah, it would be good for me to know those things. Let me try. And just having that state of mind, you will be free of the, of the, 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 the grip that jealousy has on you. And, and the thing is, the grip that jealousy has on you <coughs> is holding you back from fulfilling the goal that you had from the very from the first place. There's this, there's this project, there's this benefit that can be brought over there. Okay? That's the real objective. And don't let yourself see that, that came up. If the jealousy can somehow really work, because some, somewhere, sometimes it works, like uh, the, the story that Geshe Michael gives sometime between him and, and Art, how they were, they were jealous of each other, and then that jealousy prompted the other to study more. 
Okay? So that jealousy was good. Okay? Made either Gisha Michael or made art into uh, take a path where they were, uh, where they were uh, either trying to harm the other and then end up not knowing, not being the great scholars that they ended up being. Then they should have uh, that we should have abandoned that, that jealousy, okay? Because the jealousy was saying, you don't know has you don't he does. That's what it's saying. So how do you how, how do you get to do that? Go beat him up, <laughs> then you will get to know. <laughs> no, let's go get just go learn, <laughs> okay? And if and if you and sometimes we don't learn as fast as you would like to learn, and we think ah. I can never get to. I, I can never get to, to, to the. Now you're allowing discouragement to to settle in. And remember what I told you about about discouragement. It is the true poison for the mind. Okay. It is a destroyer of yogis. Okay. Don't give discouragement any space in your mind. Okay. As soon as you recognize it, change it as as fast as you can. Okay. Discouraged about. I don't have the mental <coughs> capacity to learn as fast as I, w- as I would like to learn. Then if, if you notice it, what's going on is that you, you, you're dropping, what, it's like you're distracting yourself again. You had this objective and this, uh, this jealousy came up, you pick up another objective, you drop what you had before and then in, in tr- then you pick up another, you pick up another, another thing <coughs> to learn fast. Which is another an, an, another objective. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't about learning fast. It was just about learning. Okay. No matter what your mind throws at you, don't let it become something that takes you off the path. And this is where Lojong uh, uh, is really at work here. You know, uh, using ad- uh, with that, that thing again, using adversities. No adversaries. <laughs> Using adversities on the, on the path. Is that, is that how it goes? Adversaries? Or adversities? Adversaries? Adversity. 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 Using adversity, okay. u- using adversity to help you on the path. So I mentioned jealousy. You can use it to help you. If it helps you, that is the true objective. Then hold on to it. If it doesn't work, and and this is where perhaps we might fail is what to do if it doesn't work. Look at what jealousies, uh, what the jealousies can address that and find something positive to help you address it. Okay. Believe it or not, the very first, the very first uh, uh, objective of, of the stages of the path, uh, what, is the first, what is the first meditation? Well, it depends on the... <laughs> which uh, uh, lineage, right? Uh, hmm? what, what's, the first, what's the first meditation of the stages of the path? Remember? Anybody? Hmm? On death or in Death and permanence. Be- but before that. Oh, precious human life. For, uh, what? <laughs> precious human life. Precious, precious human life. life. Yeah, that's a Precious human life. Now, why is that the... F- Lift your spirits. Lift your spirits. You need that for the entire path. You need a, a spirit that is lifted. You need the spirit of joy to continue on the path. You need that power that it gives you. You need the energy that it gives you. That's why you, you, are, you are told to meditate on that. And if you're not 
using uh, Lamrim as, uh, as a as a path, and uh, even in the non-Lamrim lineages, the first thing that you ask to develop is something that that is uh, analogous to the, to, uh, to the first stage of uh, to the first step of the uh, stages of the path, something that will help us to develop joy. This works. Hold on to your joy. It may seem selfish sometimes, but actually is the most, uh, a most altruistic thing you can do for someone else, to hold on to your joy. You holding on to your joy keeps your mind clear, so you don't have, so you don't, so you don't get uh, cloud, uh, so, so you don't become uh, clouded about what needs to be done in a situation. <coughs> okay, that's the purpose of joy: to keep the mind clear and to keep you energized. And, you're in, and, and this clarity and this energy will remain with you even in the face where, in, in, a, in a situation, in an event where the opposite is, is, supposed, to be, uh, is supposed to be brought about. Even, uh, in other words, even when you're in a difficult situation, Usually when you're in a difficult situation, it's difficult to, 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 to think of joy. It's difficult to think of doing anything positive. But you're able to see the difficulty, not be blind to it, not achieve that to suffering. <laughs> but you see it for what it is, and you have the clarity and the energy to do something about it. Okay? That's what joy gives you. And, unfortunately, <laughs> the more you are on the path, the more intense this joy becomes. So, <laughs> you're doomed to have joy. <laughs> okay. And, uh, the and the reason I'm able to say this with confidence is because of... Uh, uh, great beings like uh, his I mean, he lost his country. He's been in exile for uh, how long? Fifty something years, most of his life, and he still maintains joy. And he's still continuing to fight. He still doesn't see this as a. Oh, now I should. Uh, this doesn't work anymore. Let me let me pick up the gun. And the reason that the reason that he didn't pick up the gun. Is because he doesn't see how that is going to help him. If it would help, you would pick it up. Okay, skillful means. <laughs> right. If it really doesn't work, why try it? Why use it? Okay. What do you really want? Okay. Or do you want the objective of the fight? Okay. Um. And of course, um, uh, my I've had the pleasure of having personal, live personally with Tutan Jimba. Nothing gets better. <laughs> <laughs> and even if he was in the room by himself, he has enough reasons to be completely depressed. For most of, for most of his adult life, he lived with a migraine. It's like a migraine became his natural state of natural state of mind. 
he lay, when, when he goes to lie down, that means the migraine is overwhelming. That means if I had that migraine, it would have killed me. Not that the migraine probably uh, didn't necessarily have the power to kill me, but I would have been so scared of that migraine, I would, I would, have, been, I would have died just from fear of it. Okay. Hmm. So, and then, Tutin Jimba, there's something in the, in the genetics of his, of his family. They all have arthritis at, at, as soon as they uh, reach adulthood. Okay. So Tutin Jimba is in constant pain, physical pain, mental pain, and yet somehow he's able to keep his joy. And because he maintain, because he's able to maintain his joy, he's able to have, he's active in the world. He's able to inspire others. And and people don't and people now you, you don't well now you know. But <laughs> if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know that Jimba is always has pain. Mm. Right? Only when you live with him, when you see him when you see him uh, doing some strange some strange kind of why 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 is he going to the bother of this, this thing? There's pain. He's so desperate to get rid of it. Okay. So, maintaining your joy helps you, and because it really helps you, it helps others. Okay, something really helps, it helps everyone, not just you. Okay. Uh, so, I don't know if I fully addressed the thing about what works. <laughs> The uh, one thing for you, I'd like you to remember from tonight is be skillful. Hold on to your true objective and be skillful about, uh, about, uh, about accomplishing it. Okay. All right, anybody has any uh, questions? I don't understand. When someone talks bad of me, mm-hmm. I feel see the Dalai Lama, he has one billion people talking bad of him, mm-hmm. and he's laughing, mm-hmm. and he's praying for them that they don't get the negative karma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you don't understand that, that? I mean, I don't understand how you can be so powerful, so strong. Yeah. Uh, he has rich conviction. Rich conviction in the power of what he's doing. And that's what we have to do too. And 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 I'm saying it with all with com- with complete open-mindedness. Okay, if concern for the other's welfare, if it doesn't work, I hope you see it. I hope you see it. Okay, the thing is, what really works? What will really get us to where we want to be? Okay, let's try concern for the other's welfare. But before you try it and discourage yourself, first achieve certainty, achieve conviction. Don't burn that doesn't work. I mean, really look into it. What has worked in the past for, for, for some? What hasn't worked for others in the past for some? Those very, those very uh, actions that I'm prompted to do has it worked for someone else? I mean, really worked. Not give them the illusion that they worked for some time and, and, it, and it fell. Okay. 
we have uh, now we have an example of a, of a nation built completely out of non-violence build out of non-violence that's something to give us some maybe 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 that's how you really get what we want that's how you should get that's how nation maybe that's how nations can begin really get security prosperity those things that every nation wants which nation is that? Hmm? which nation Costa Rica are you talking about India. Oh. It's still a nation. It's still a nation. There's so much violence. There's so much to be work to be done, yeah. But it's still a nation. It didn't lose the status of being a nation. And Costa Rica and you know the and Switzerland. Switzerland has an army. I mean, yeah. they're thinking hard about getting rid of it, but <laughs> <laughs> they're still yeah. convinced that they need it. Mm. Okay. Just let me nice. it up, I'll uh, address the question that I gave you last time. Okay. Is it possible, uh, I guess the question was, is it, in, in what sense is it, is, can it be true that once you reach Buddhahood, once you reach enlightenment, you no longer see war? In what sense can it be true? I mean, you, you don't see anything that you can definitively say is war because you're a, a Buddha, and a Buddha doesn't see any self-existing truth, actually, including the truth of its own, uh, any self-existing truth except the dependent existence of whatever it sees. It sees that, but it wouldn't see anything as being self-existently true at all, so it couldn't see war as being self-existently true, but as has been pointed out by you. Mm -hmm it certainly knows that we are different and it knows that as long as beings are capable of perceiving or are, 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 are making conceptual errors and that's that's why we're here we're making as long as we're doing that we're seeing violence we're seeing war we're feeling pain we're suffering Buddha's acutely aware of that so to a Buddha whatever it's seeing it's not going to arise as that's really war but but at the same time to whatever to a Buddha what it sees is Certainly going to arise as oh, these are these are my beings and they're experiencing war. And I must help. Th these are the beings I promised to help. They they don't exist any more than the war. They're experiencing this pain for them. The war is completely real, and I must do what I can to help. Hmm. Yes. Um, maybe what it sees is the objectives that both groups had, and then. Buddha's job is to keep all of what that path is, they're supposed to be on, and stay focused on that. So, 
for the misconceptions that those groups have. Mm -hmm. That's probably overwhelming. But you're looking for, you're there to kind of remind people of what the goal is. And you see their confusion. I agree with her. I think the Buddha is very compassionate and is able to see exactly where the affliction is. Mm -hmm. And is able to send light and not get caught in it because he knows that it's not, it's, it's just that because it's just compassion because, you know, where the affliction comes. Mm -hmm. I have a topic. Well, that's uh, <coughs> what you brought up almost brings um, like another topic that we should be discussing like uh, <laughs> for another 15 minutes. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you see war? Do you see war? Is there war going on? Yeah. Is there conflict going on? Mm -hmm. Every one of you sees that? No. You don't see it? Not in New York City. Not in New York City. What part of town do you live in? Okay. Not in, not in just in your house, in, you know. In what you might call the world that we live in. Okay. And is this something that needs to be addressed? Okay. Is this something that needs to be addressed? So something has to be done about it, right? Okay. Now, what does, let me ask you this question then, will, does Buddhahood or will Buddhahood bring any solution to it? Not on, so far. Mm. Not a final solution. So far. Mm. Could still be a work in progress. No, there's problem in the world. I, I'm, I'm concerned about those problems, and I want something to be done about those problems. And then, then yeah. look at this table, Buddhahood. Should I be in order to address this problem? Are they completely, you know, in, in separate universes? Are you, do, do you believe that? Do you really believe that Buddhahood is going to help you with the, world, with, the, with the problems of the world? 
Do you really believe that? Yes. <coughs> you don't believe that? that yeah, I think she's been sincere. I think that's where we are, we, where most of us are. We, are. we are there. We are in that place. We don't really think it. We think they're separate universes. The only... Huh? Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, it sort of goes back to what you were saying earlier, that mm. you have to have the right intention or the right uh, focus and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, view in order to like, do suffering of others. And mm. if, you know, achieving Buddhahood is the way to get that pure and, you know, righteous, you know, focus where you're not just so interested in yourself, but where you, you know, truly have love for other human beings. And I think that once you have that, uh, it just sort of emanates, you know, from <coughs> the other and, 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 and is infusing that it's the only way that you can sincerely help to create any peace, like real mm. peace in the world, mm. right? Is if you have the right focus, if mm. you have, you know, compassion, you know, respect for people. Like I, I used to go door to door um, for a, a non-proliferation lobby, and um, I also trained other people on how to do it, and were, you know, that were able to be effective with people that honestly did respect the people that they saw and had compassion for the people that they saw without even knowing them, mm. to view those people as empty so that you don't judge them before they, before you even start talking to them about getting them involved, mm. for example, and, you know, so that's a way to be very successful in getting people to help join your cause of peace, but there are people that always judge people before, you know, that this person looks like this, so they're not going to help, or this person has a big house and a big car, so they're probably going to be selfish, and they're not going to be interested in peace, and then they weren't able to get anybody involved, you mm -hmm. know, so like, I know for me, the, like, concepts of Buddhism, before I was even really I just knew about it because I studied it in school, you know. And I actually always talked about when I trained people because um, you have to have that mindset in order to, like, you have to inspire people, and that's how people want to join the cause, you know. It's sort of what you're saying about you having to have joy and enlightenment in order to inspire. I just feel like that's the only way that you could really, like, you know, ha make peace flourish. You have to have it inside of you first. I hear that a lot in, in uh, what you might call spiritual circles. Uh, first find peace within you and that's usually that, that, that's how it is addressed in spiritual circles. But whether it's Buddhism or Christianity or whatever, they say, no, find peace within you first. In the Yoga Sutra, uh -huh. they say uh, if someone is grounded in peace, mm -hmm. in their very presence, any conflict will go to an end. Yeah. Says that. Even if it's not face to face, mm -hmm. right? So that the, the 
solution to the problem. If someone wants to find a way to find a solution to the problem outside the problem, let me know. If you have a practical way to answer the problem. So, in that sense, how is the Buddha outside the problem? Or out, out somehow outside of this community or outside of what our mind is? Right, uh, is is a Buddha outside of us? Um, is it separate? No. Well, <laughs> if we experience the concept and then just say that it's something even beyond our concepts. Well, right? Let's say a Buddha is beyond our concepts. Does that mean a Buddha is outside of whatever we are? Just because we can't conceive of how it feels to be a Buddha, does that mean a Buddha is somehow over there and we're here and never the twain can meet and there's a Buddha that a Buddha might not be sitting right here for example actually talking to you in fact isn't it true a Buddha actually did sit and give the sermon in Deer Park and many other talks and, and the Buddha talked to people talked to thousands of people who had all kinds of problems you know the kids died you know they were kings they were worried about things and he gave practical advice he gave advice to each particular person he interacted with each particular person those people's lives were directly improved Let's forget about talking about, you know, meta things. Let's just talk about there was the Buddha, you know, he, he did live, unless you don't believe there was a historical <coughs> There was, uh, you know, the records seem to show there was a historical Buddha. He talked to people, he gave teachings to people, he gave teaching different kinds of teachings to different kinds of people, and he had an impact on their lives. I'm a Buddha right now. Well, I'll be able to talk to you, right? I can I can have a conversation with you. I can invite you over for dinner. <laughs> or is it, I'm not able to because I'm a Buddha. I can't invite anyone to dinner because I'm a Buddha. Because you're talking about the concept of Buddha. Con well, fine. Whatever's going on in the mind of a Buddha is something that I don't know and that you won't know. But the fact is that a Buddha in our mind, because a Buddha is omniscient, a Buddha has to know what exactly what's going on in your mind and has to know exactly what you need. And there's no other reason for a Buddha to become a Buddha other than to know what's going on in your mind, know exactly what you need, and provide the right medicine for you to get what you need. I didn't say that. <laughs> How would you not need to do anything? You would have to spend many lifetimes actually taking and practicing in order to achieve what you need, and it's all you that has to work out your own salvation, but a Buddha could teach you and tell you what you need to do. You'd have to do something which made it real for you. you. In other words, there'd have to be some. A Buddha wouldn't teach you if there was no possibility of you improving. In fact, there are cases where a Buddha said, "No, I can't do anything for that person. You know, I don't have the right karma with them right now. They don't. They're not perceiving things in a way where they will take my teachings as a positive. They won't use my teachings for a positive, in a positive way right now. Maybe later. Sees that you could actually benefit from a particular teaching. The Buddha will give you that particular teaching, and maybe a hundred lifetimes later, maybe this lifetime, maybe in five minutes, you will benefit in some way from that and then you can move on from there. That's a lot of things for me to agree to. 
You don't have to agree to anything. The point is that if a Buddha tells you something and it makes sense, even if they tell you one thing and it makes sense, and as a result of that it inevitably changes how you see everything else, then the Buddha will have potentially improved the way you are able to understand reality and ultimately gain that uh, the qualities of the Buddha. It has to start with one step. If the Buddha makes you take one step in the right... It's like if you're, you're an ant and I have a stick and I'm pushing you and I happen to push you in the right direction and I know then, you know, I'm doing my job very slowly but I'm doing it. Well, I guess I still don't have to do anything because I'm being pushed. <laughs> 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 you have to move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy you said ant because I'm waiting for my chance to... <laughs> um, uh, um, I recently, I don't know if this is to my mother, I was having doubts that our, uh, in, our, our work was making an effect. And uh, I was expressing this, and I said, you know what, though, everything that it's bringing across, I can then say that I myself in my own world need a lot of work on. And I was, um, I know that my frustration, frustration with our innate inability to move forward at a certain speed is, is sort of just the frustration I'm feeling within myself. And she said, yeah, well, I'm really handling something much bigger, you know. <laughs> and I said, oh, but yours is also your own thing. I said, if you have the right night, sort of, then you could cut through it very easily. It's not that there is something that you can't cut through. And it led me to something that we are speaking about, this idea that I'm, I guess I... I believe, or I sometimes have this image that, you know, as a small ant, perhaps um, small things like things that he'll find around him create huge um, afflictions in his world and appear to be um, conflicting with what he believes to be a path that should go forward. And for us, we just kick the bottle cap to the side. It doesn't trip us in our, on our path. And I imagine when he sees the conflicts in round, um, he sees how you can get through and uh, how you can easily, what appears to be a great big boulder, mm, he knows it's just in an instant can be cleared with uh, maybe the skillful me, which I think it doesn't really matter, does it? If there's a problem, if there's always a solution, because it's done. You know, I feel many times I um, my experience in this world. I have problems. I'm not in a war zone. I have my own afflictions, and that I just when I feel afflicted, I, I try to just perhaps say not that it's really a problem, it's that I'm not seeing it or using the right tools. Mm. Mm. And then it, it then it becomes more empowering. I don't say this to give any sort of boost. I, I just I really see it that way. So I mm. what you said. I, I imagine that the Buddha sees perhaps these very complicated you know, what we appear in our world to be um, afflictions or things that keep us to um, 
where we want to be, but it's not really this, it's just all you gotta do is sort of look at it and to give a to give a talk on this topic because it's something that I've uh, that I seriously uh, think about and 
the way I react towards something when I consider it to be very serious is that I keep it very secret. <laughs> it's like uh, it's very serious, it's very uh, precious. I don't want to expose it to any danger whatsoever for me to lose that concern, you would say. So, uh, I would like to know uh, how is this something that is, uh, here you are, uh, you have some interest in this, in this topic. How serious is it for you? Is this something that's gonna, you're, you want to be able to do some sort of action and you're waiting for guidance, okay, this is what I must do, this is what I must do in order to get it. Is this something that you're really serious, serious about? Something that's really concerned you, I should say. Humanity is doing to each other, really, in war and conflict. Well, the first thing you need is a peace as possible. If you don't have that conviction, then you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to move. You're not gonna be able to accomplish it much. First, you need that. I mean, when I say conviction, I mean conviction. Mm-hmm. If you keep going back and forth, back and forth, then whatever will help you. Get and 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 I'm being open-minded also about that conviction. The conviction could be it could there's no, it can never end. Or the conviction, if you want peace, you have to have the conviction. We can have we can have it. First, you must have that conviction. That conviction will move you, and. And I'll even say certain. I, I try to avoid saying mystical things, you know. but that will also guide you. Okay. Once you have a conviction, that con- very conviction will guide you. It will give you the tools you need. It will help you acquire the resources you need. First, you need that conviction. There is something funny about the way things are, the way things really are. That so many, th- th- where many different, where conflicting realities can coexist. Mm. Okay. Something very funny about the nature of things that allows for that. Mm. Okay. And because of this very funny nature of things, maybe peace is possible also. Just peace where I'm at peace. Nobody's, nobody's touching me, nobody's messing around with me, kind of peace. But the peace where you can, the same way you can stay outside and say, ah, this is New York City, that's a sidewalk, they have trains there, look, they have peace, look, that's the earth and they have peace. Maybe that's, that also could be a perception that you have. Reality, I think, that can make it possible. But first you have to really want it. You have to understand what it is. And whatever it is within us that thinks it should have something else, we have to find that also. Okay. What pleasure do we find in conflict? What pleasure? <coughs> what benefit? What? What pleasure do we find when we are engaged in fighting with someone? Are we being deluded? Is it something that we need? Every once in a while you gotta do it up with someone and then you're healthier. 
continuing it is because we find something in it. So what is it that we find in it? We have to find out also. Are we afraid that peace is boring? Mm. Or will be? We don't, it's not, we don't have it yet. So <laughs> Are we afraid that peace will be boring? It will be bland? You know? <laughs> People will drop dead from boredom or something? <laughs> oh man, peace in this world. <laughs> No excitement. It's true though, because people get all excited with dramas on TV and watching, like, they're all attracted to negative information. Mm -hmm. And and I'll add to that, I'll add to that. Are they really attracted to the thing from me? That's the thing about finding finding what you really want. Say something. Oh, um, it's just a response to your original question of is this important? Ah. I feel like um, it's reclaiming about world peace. When I, I think this this talk is helping me more about the war within me, the war in my life. Maybe mm-hmm. that sounds really selfish, but mm-hmm. the conflicts that I have with mm-hmm. people in my life, my family, my friends, mm-hmm. it seems more relevant. asking if the Buddha is in a separate universe from us. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you have an answer for that? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I want to have the answer from you. <laughs> is the Buddha in a separate universe? Mm-hmm. The real answer is beyond that. It was the same answer I would give to the question, are we one or are we separate? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 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 okay. They are, they are definitely, they, they have some connection with each other. Peace within, peace outside, conflict within, conflict outside, doing something about the conflict within, being able to do something about the conflict outside. Really do 
you know, besides thinking of like sort of content or of peaceful antidote to, to suffering is to inspire other people to go along with them. And so in that sense, you have to be able to emanate something that, you know, um, brings up something positive in other people. Mm. Yeah, it's like uh, someone who's completely conflicted within trying to go and try to uh, bring light. Well, like so that, that would be like a, like a contradiction you're referring to, right? Well, so in a sense, like you first have some sense of peace within you, then well, that would affect Martin others? Martin Luther King and, and Gandhi, I think that the reason why they were successful is because they were able to, you know, they, they sort of stuck to that path of, of love, and I think inherently most people, were, hmm. and so I think, you know, eventually, uh, you know, it, it I'm not really explaining myself for real, but people responded to it. You know, they saw that that, you know, choosing between love and hate, between freedom and oppression, we're naturally drawn towards wanting love and freedom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, eventually, you know, especially being nonviolent while all this violence is inflicted upon, the world sees that, and eventually, like, there's just, you have to agree with a nonviolent and loving side. Mm -hmm. You know, most people,
very nice. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, I'll help. <laughs> he he suggests. So, uh, thank you all for coming tonight and sharing with me all your wonderful ideas, wonderful insights. And I hope uh, we have one more, right? That's uh, following Wednesday, next week. If not, then please take it with you. <laughs> okay. Thank you.